Sometimes I think they don't truly understand me, you know? Cause they don't. Yeah. Uh. Can't change the world unless we change ourselves. Die from the sicknesses if we don't seek the health. All eyes be my witness when I speak was felt. Full house on my hands, the cars I was dealt. Three K's, two A's in America. I'm just a black spade spawned out the nebula. And everything I do will say today that's worthwhile. With assurance by your action and your first child, I begin my first now. Sometimes I speak and I feel like it ain't my words. Like I'm just a vessel channeling inside this universe. I feel my ancestors arrested inside of me. It's like they want me to shoot my chance and change the society. But how do I go about it? Tell me where I start. My destiny rerouted when I chose to follow heart. You chose to follow suit, but tell me what it do for you. Except where you down, now you trapped inside the cubicle they built for us. The first step in the change is to take notice. Realize the real gains that they try to show us. 300 plus years of them cold shoulders. Your 300 million of it still got no focus. Sorry, America, but I would not be your soldier. Obama just wasn't enough, I need some more closure. And Donald Trump is not equipped to take this country over. Let's face facts, cuz we know what's the real motives. In the land of the free is full of free lotus. Leave us dead in the street to be the organ donors. They disorganized, my people made us all loners. Still got the last names of our slave owners. In the land of the free is full of free lotus. Leave us dead in the street to be the organ donors. They disorganized, my people made us all loners. Yeah, we can't change the world unless we change ourselves. Die from the sicknesses if we don't seek the help. All eyes be my witness when I speak with felt. Full house on my hands, the cause I was dealt. Three K's, two A's in America. I'm just a black space born out the nebula. And everything I do is say today that's worthwhile. With assurance by your action. Trickery in the system, put my niggas in prison. All our history hidden, ain't no liberty given. We all fit the description of what the documents written. We've been lacking the vision and barely making a living. We too worried to fit in while they've been benefiting. Every time you submit it, we all guilty admitted. The low won't get you acquitted, but you still for forgiveness. Put opiates and syringes, then inject his religion. Now, many times I gotta tell you I'm a man in the mission. Many times I gotta tell you I don't need no permission. A human with supervision ain't no living condition. I'm reaching out to my children, just hoping that they will listen. Start a new coalition against corrupt politicians It's not enough about the prison Too many murder convictions Nothing family evicted Nothing black man the victim That's as real as it's getting You should take recognition In the land of the free is full of free lotus Leave us dead in the street to be the organ donors They disorganized, my people made us all loners Still got the last names of our slave owners In the land of the free is full of free lotus Leave us dead in the street to be the organ donors They disorganized, my people made us all loners Yeah we can't change the world unless we change ourselves Die from the sicknesses if we don't seek the help All eyes be my witness when I speak was felt Full house on my hands, the cause I was dealt Three K's, two A's in America I'm just a black space born out the nebula And everything I do is say today that's worthwhile With assurance by your action and your first child
Hi, everybody. This is Jean Nathan, and it is Crosstown Conversations. Uh, I have one of my favorite people in the universe with us today, Lois Eric Eli. There, there just isn't too much better than that out there. I don't know who. And um, I'm so appreciative to have an opportunity to get his perspective on Independence Day. What I'm, I'm really interested in as we talk for just a second about is the Black perspective on Independence Day. Uh, which definitely is different from white and um, of course there's variations all over the country. But um, uh, let's start with, with your perspective and, and go from there. Well, one thing to keep in mind is that these patriotic holidays, be it Independence Day or President's Day or Labor Day, the extent to which all of them are sort of distant from their meaning and that I think most Americans think of them as a time now to take off from work or go shopping and have a family gathering of some sort. And so it's not as if I can ever remember sitting around on 4th of July talking about the meaning or lack of meaning of 4th of July for Black Americans or anyone else. And this country is so geared toward commercial enterprise that the main way you know the 4th is coming up is because of supermarkets and department stores advertising their 4th of July specials. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the African-American tradition, there are always two things happening simultaneously. The idea of Black Americans as Americans and the idea of Black Americans as citizens who are consistently reminded that we are almost equal, but not quite. And so the Frederick Douglass essay, What Does the Fourth of July Mean to a Slave? Perfectly encapsulates that. And unfortunately, the basic sentiment of that remains very much intact. So when you say it, it's, it's still intact and at the same time acknowledge that most of us are not giving the holiday a lot of thought uh, because it's mainly seen as a release from work and, and an opportunity to shop. Um, how about this year? Are, are we in some kind of a, an evolution? We are certainly in, I don't know if it's even an evolution, maybe it's a revolution, maybe it's not. That's the whole big question. Um, from the normal years of thinking about it. Is anybody talking about it? Are you thinking about it? I mean, you know, from the perspective of what's been going on um, of late, <clears throat> recognition of, of really today's article uh, in the New York Times was that they've now identified, I think about 70 similar I can't breathe events um, over a relatively short period of time. I don't remember the exact dates, but recent history, not forever. Um, we're in such a different place. So how does, how do we look on it now? What is, what is the meaning now? If, if at, at some point when you go on in the essay that um, you and I were both reading in the Atlantic, uh, Frederick Douglass declares it not to be a real holiday for the enslaved people, of course. And then comes the end of the Civil War and Black populations in the, in the South took it on as their holiday for a while. And then of course there was the usual white backlash that said, oh, oh you can't have this day. And this is not your day. You can't be out there having parties and, and um, having your vendors out there and so on. Um, so they, sh they got shoved further and further away from the city where the celebrations were dominant in Charleston, which was a majority black city at the time. So what about today? How, um, well, the big difference to me in the current Black Lives Matter 
protests or rebellion compared to similar protests against brutality, police brutality in recent years, is that they have developed a kind of historical perspective uh, that's best seen by the movement around the country to remove slave, uh, racist or slaveholding monuments. So the point is that we're not merely discussing what the police did last week, last month, and how to ensure that they don't do it again next week or next month. We're going all the way back to the founding of the country, which means it's necessary then, or we're in a position now to, to discuss American history in a different kind of way. Now, of course, the New York Times 1619 project that looked back at the 400 years since the first slave ships arrived here in 1619 also adds fuel to that fire and that it gives us all a relatively recent discussion of how we got to the place we are now. So I think in many ways, um, what we have between black and white Americans is a competition between memory and forgetting. Mm -hmm. Because white people don't want to remember all of the evil that has been, all the evil that has been inflicted upon black people in very racist ways. And every time black people talk about the unfairness of what's going on in the country, we bring white folks back to that history. But of course, white people haven't entirely forgotten about that history. I think a big, big fear on the part of white people is that if and when black people get in power, we will visit the same kind of violence on white people as we visited us. So in, well, in our a, attempt- So you think the fear is not just political um, reversal of majority versus minority, but also literally a fear of, of, of revenge and violence. Which is part and parcel of our memory. Even if white people don't want to acknowledge it, they know that what happened in our past was so vile and so evil by any standard that the fear that that will be revisited on this nation, on this, the white components of this nation, is a very real one, I think. So what do we make of this? I mean, is, is, is it, uh, Independence Day is just a few days away. And they really, I haven't heard a lot of uh, national discussion about it. We're still dealing with the issue of police violence, which is definitely a factor, but it's, of course, everybody agrees that that's not the whole story. The whole story is, is inequity in so many different aspects of life. Um, and then at the same time, there's also um, COVID, which is, in and of itself, even before the um, the the events with the, the police, was uh, pulling back the curtain on inequity by virtue of showing how much higher the death rate and the and the um, infection rate in the black community has been. So, even if we didn't go into police violence, we would have been looking. Wow, we had no idea. Theoretically, I mean, we sort right, of had a clue, but we weren't paying attention. Now we're paying attention because, but I also think, by the way, that that revelation and that realization that the rate is higher in the black community for whatever reason, I mean, there are white people say, oh, they're just not taking care of themselves. And then um, black people saying, excuse me, we don't have a hospital in our neighborhood. We don't have access to health insurance. What, what, do, you, what do you think is going to happen here? So um, I, I, I feel like partially what's happening in this whole kind of politicalization of masks, for example, has to do with um, trying to, um, again, 
uh, blame somebody else, you know, and, and say it's it's not about um, inequity. But um, how how are we going to come out of this? I mean, the big issue and the every single and I'm, unfortunately, I'm definitely obsessed with cable television right now and watching mm -hmm. a lot of it because there's so many interesting, smart people that I, I've heard of but not known, and now I get to see them. Um, who are talking about this, but there hasn't been a whole lot of conversation about the Independence Day for one. And then the conversation has now just keeps bouncing back and forth between COVID and, and police violence and, and Black Lives Matter. And it's, it's confusing for a lot of people. And I'm, sh I'm sure black and white. Well, you have to add something else to it, which is that uh, Donald Trump does not seem to have a clear agenda beyond a very personal agenda to be reelected and to be uh, deified. So it's not as if you can criticize what he's said and done because so much of what he's done has been mere reaction without a particular position uh, himself. Yeah. And so it leads to, you know, it leads to confusion. Um, and trying to figure this moment out is further compounded by that. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Um, tell me I'm wrong. I also think, you know, when I first came to New Orleans in the early 70s, out of Yankee land, I, I, I certainly had a lot of um, to learn and still do um, and, and to understand for one, how recently we just came out of segregation. It's, it's still hard for me to believe that when I got here, you know, it was less than 10 years ago that people could shop on Canal Street. I mean, it, it's, it still completely unnerves me. But um, I, I, I feel like the, the, a lot of the leaders that I knew and, and learned and became familiar with when I first got here, have passed, you know, it's a generational thing. And um, I'm not sure who's out there right now. So the other person that's going to be on the show besides you is going to be Mal Malcolm Suber, and I know he's out there. And and we have maybe a, a handful of, of folks who are left from, your dad is gone. I mean, so many people who were part of that. When I came here, I remember that I went, my first meeting when I was doing political work, for the Democratic presidential candidate at the time. My first meeting was with um, Bob Tucker, your dad, uh, Dennis, I'm gonna forget Dennis's last name from Lafayette. Um, but the, these were people who were definitely involved in leadership. I don't really understand uh, uh, leadership today. Maybe that's hmm, well, kind of a vague statement, but... Going back at least as far as Occupy Wall Street, and to a great extent to the current rebellion, there's been a decision not to have leaders in a traditional sense. Um, I, you know, I'm at the tail end of the generation you just mentioned. So I imagine the necessity of having a leader or a spokesperson, but that is not the model that these folks are using. And the extent to which we have not been particularly successful at moving the needle in recent decades suggests that the previous sort of leader-led model is not necessarily effective. I mean, you know, the, the national leader who, with whom I'm most impressed right now is Reverend William Barber out of North Carolina. He's been attempting 
repeatedly to resurrect Martin Luther King's Poor People's Campaign. And he speaks with a clarity and a force that I think is unparalleled on the scene today. Um, but he is not speaking directly to this moment as he is speaking to the overall accumulation of things that have gotten us to this moment. So I have not heard him speak so much about police brutality as about the, the, the broader systems um, which express themselves in part through police brutality, but through the other kinds of violence of poverty that has been endemic in this country for as long as I've been alive. What, what, what do you feel are the next steps? What, what's coming? What, what, what's uh, your instincts about um, how this is going to evolve? And I also want to jump back. I want to go forward. I really want to talk about going forward. But I also was dumbfounded um, by my ignorance when you talked about George Washington on our pre-call and, um, and, and some of the things that um, he was quoted as having said and how revelatory that was about the well, intentions of our founding fathers and the ironies <clears throat> and hypocrisy that's involved at that level. Well, let me read a quote from David Stannard's book, American Holocaust of 1992. In 1779, George Washington instructed Major General John Sullivan to attack Iroquois people. Washington stated, quote, lay waste all the settlements around that the country may not be merely overrun, but destroyed. In the course of, unquote, in the course of the carnage and annihilation of Indian people, Washington also instructed the general not, quote, to listen to any overture of peace before the total ruin of the settlements is effected. Now, the big difference between America and most other nations is that America claims to have the moral high ground, to somehow be different. And George Washington, as the founder of this nation, both symbolically and militarily, is thought to have been this great democratic force. And in fact, the fact that he said that he, would, he rejected the idea of being a king was seen as uh, proof that he's this great democratic force. But what we find is that democracy at best applied to white people, and at certain states, uh, you had to be a, a property owner to vote, and, and so therefore a property owner to rich white people. And men, not women. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so what we find is that the kind of language and the kind of actions of people like George Washington, in terms of more recent discussion, Woodrow Wilson, we find that they are doing and saying things that we are condemning people in other nations for doing right now. There's a great thread that came about uh, a couple of weeks ago where a reporter wrote about the rebellion taking place now, as if this was an American writing about the events in another country. And of course, it was starkly different from what we get in our own reporting. Now, part of that is the fact that we Americans are roughly familiar with what's happening in America, but still hearing stuff like the white majority continue to attempt to impose their rules or that kind of statement, that's what you hear when they're talking about Nigeria or Afghanistan or Iran. Well, first of all, it raises the question of whether or not that reporting, even when it is about Nigeria or Afghanistan or Iran, you wonder how accurate it is. And secondly, you begin to see that this kind of, of, of internal conflict, this racial, this ethnic violence, is, makes very clear that America is just like all the other nations in a whole lot of ways. And so the internet plays such a big role in this because um, 
You know, when I was in college, I had um, a, a fascination with international relations. I, I don't remember why, but I just did. And um, one of the, the things that became so clear to me um, and so distinct as I studied it is that most of what we hear about and know about in terms of international relations between our country and others are all lies. They're just, they are totally cover for very intricate, um, just sometimes really devastatingly, I don't want to say maybe evil, but things that are definitely pragmatic and expeditious to the, to the, to the uh, welfare of our country over um, democratic principles. And so we're, we're out there saying, we want democracy here. We want people's human rights to be respected. And we're doing all kinds of stuff there to keep oh. up dictators, for example. Let, let's not even go to where um, Trump is coming from because he's not coming from anywhere. He doesn't have any principles. He doesn't have any education. He doesn't have any history. I mean, he's just totally making it up. And it is, as everybody always says, all about him. So, but, but it is a pattern in our, in our government. Well, one of the things I find very interesting when you read American newspapers, listen to American broadcasts about particularly what the Chinese or the Russians are doing, you always get these explanations of the Chinese are trying to expand their influence in Asia, the Chinese are trying to expand their influence in Africa, the Russians are trying to expand their influence in Eastern Europe. I understand that. I'm willing to take that at face value. But nowhere in these door, stories that say what the Americans are seeking to do. And we are to assume that the Americans are seeking to spread peace and love. But the fact that that is never articulated is a fundamentally dishonest analysis of what's going on that makes it difficult to trust anything else that's being said. Well, Liz, what is your role in all this? How do you perceive what you can and can't do and how, how, how do you um wh where where do you try to affect the situation or don't you <laughs> I, mean, I, I, knew, um, I, I didn't know exactly but i i certainly had a, some understanding of your dad's role because again it was much more clear-cut coming out of the civil rights movement now it's much um, more complicated. So do, where, where do you stand in all this? And, I, and you know, uh, on, on the 4th of July, there's going to be a march for reparations. I'm curious mm -hmm. to hear your view on reparations. Um, I'm, I'm curious to hear um, your view on um, the, the political situation. I mean, we have a, a state governed primarily by um, people in the Republican Party whose interests are very different from the interests of New Orleans. I'm just curious, what, how, how do you view, I'm not sure I know even exactly what you're doing for a living right now since you've been mm -hmm. in Los Angeles a lot, but um, uh, tell me, wh tell me, where's your place in all this? Uh, interesting question, and in a sense, I'm not sure. I've recently become a father. I have a two-year-old son. That's where you become, <laughs> therefore, a lot more pragmatic and conservative than might otherwise be the case. Yeah. Um, I... Uh, coming, you know, being a child of the 70s, dating back to high school and through college, and after that, I really uh, sought to be a part of, of a, a revolutionary change and thought that that was crucial and that if only we could convince everyone to rise up, it could make a big difference. 
I've become somewhat cynical and, uh, and now I'm less active. I'm sort of a Twitter activist, which is not quite the same as actually doing something. But the other thing I will say in that regard is that younger people are doing things now and doing them well. I think there's an extent to which there's sort of a timing and a zeitgeist. And there's a reason why George Floyd's uh, killing has had more impact than say Trayvon Martin's killing or many of the other police uh, killings that have taken place in between. And I cannot explain why this year has been so pivotal and last year wasn't or five years ago wasn't. And you know, I remember, um, you know, John Lewis recently came out and said, well, these protesters need to remain nonviolent, et cetera, et cetera. I was really disappointed in reading that. Not because I advocate violence or because I think it's a good idea that these protests have at times uh, been, uh, there's been violence as part and parcel of what's going on. But one, I don't believe in one size fits all. And two, I think elders ought to also be willing to sit back and let other people decide. Martin Luther King's father did not approve of what he was doing at first. Mm. And so the idea that the Martin Luther King, John Lewis, Lola's Edward Eli generation should uh, exert influence without allowing young people to do things differently, I think is a mistake. Mm. You know, th that makes me ask um, another question. It's a little bit of a non sequitur, but not necessarily. Um, what of the teachings of your father that you received in his home and in your life with him has stuck with you as a core principle or core principles that guide what you do, whether you're in a cynical place and dealing with your two-year-old or not? Well, the fundamental question that he raised and the thing that I think uh, set him apart from other folks is um, the question of what this means for the average citizen, the average black person, the average poor person, because so often, particularly in the current conception of the American economy, the idea is that as long as the corporation is doing well, everybody's fine. And if people have jobs, you do not question whether or not they're good jobs or livable wages, as long as people have jobs, then we're fine. I got to say something else that's been increasingly clear to me, both as I have become a parent and as I reflected on my father's passing. Uh, my father was a largely absent father. My mother did 95% of the work. And I ain't trying to be that kind of father. And I think we do ourselves a disservice. We don't look at the totality of these legacies and attempt to address them in their totality and improve in, um, in, in the ways in which these legacies I am perfect. So I remain concerned less about how many black folks get in the public office, how many black folks get on boards of directors than I am about um, what it actually means for people. It's sort of difficult because, you know, even the average American is very enamored of celebrity. And when some celebrity gives a thousand, a hundred thousand, a million dollars, the notion is, oh, it's so great that they have, have, have uh, bestowed this wonderfulness upon us. But I'm more interested in the fundamental system. It's like, well, you know, if people were taxed appropriately, and if our tax dollar were spent appropriately on us, 
then whatever money you kept, you wouldn't have to share with the public because the public would have been taken care of by the general welfare. And indeed, the Constitution calls for the provision for the general welfare, which has been uh, an absent element for a long, long time. Mother, there's too many of you to cry. Brother, 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 there's far too many of you dying. You know we've got to find a way to bring some loving here today. Father, father, we don't need to escalate. You see, war is not the end. For only love can comprehend You know we've got to find a way To bring some love and get here today Picket lines and picket signs Don't punish me with brutality Talk to me so you can see I am thrilled to have you on the radio show this week. 
because I, I really am fascinated about the question of um, the Black perspective on Independence Day. And we were just chatting for a minute before um, we began our interview for the show about my discovery on Google of how um, uh, Black communities after emancipation celebrated Independence Day in, in, in a big way when the white population in the South was less enthusiastic. Reconstruction changes all that ultimately. And, um, and now we basically, for the most part, Black, white, Native American, everybody uh, uh, pretty much shops and barbecues. And we have kind of forgotten um, what it's really all about. And, and I think it was Lola's, um, Eric Eli, who said to me that one of the things that we really need to be thinking about is holding ourselves more accountable to the fundamental principles of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. Obviously getting past the fact that the Declaration and the Constitution did not accommodate um, people of color or women or Native Americans. But the concept of liberty and justice for all and pursuit of happiness and equality are the principles that we think we're all about. And, and, and this past year has been quite revealing on that. And so historically, but particularly right now, how would you characterize, not that there's anything like a sweeping characterization, but give me your perspective. Let's just start there mm. with Independence Day. What does it mean for you? So when I think about Independence Day, I, it is difficult for me to think about that particular day um, without um, uh, bringing up a quote from Frederick Douglass. And uh, one of those things when someone posed the question to him, what to the American slave is your 4th of July? And he said, I answer a day that reveals to him more than all other days in the year, the gross injustice and cruelty to which he is the constant victim. Now, this was done quite a while ago, and it is very difficult in this day and age right now, in this moment that we see, um, it is something that I'm always um, very mindful of that Independence Day. Um, yes, it's all been distilled down to a day off, um, opportunity to barbecue, spend time with family. I think people have tried to reinvent what that means to them. Um, but in this day and age, considering everything that has happened, it is a reminder that we have not moved from that place and that, uh, that place that we, were, that we were in, that we were in, we were in, we have not moved um, further um, with respect to really dealing with the, the injustice and cruelty. Um, we have lost our sense of humanity um, in this moment. And that's what is made clear, abundantly clear um, to black folks for a very long time. Um, and, and I think in this moment, folks are just frustrated and fed up and have just made the decision that we will, we will think about what independence means for us and we will now um, make those demands on what that means and redefine what that is. We will redefine what 
uh, independence means to us. And I, I can't think of a better time to really be reflecting on that than in this moment in, in, in time, the Black Lives Matter movement, and all of these moments um, that are have been lifted up, not that they haven't been lifted up before. We've been singing these songs and fighting these fights for many, many years. Um, but in this moment is amplified. And, and, and now that it is amplified, folks are taking the opportunity to look at all the gross injustices and inequities that have existed on the inside of every world we operate in. Um, and are beginning to make demands to, this is a time for us to re, and it shouldn't be something that we're on, we should be excited about this opportunity to redefine that. If for no other reason than to reclaim our humanity. Just because we were a victim of things that happened in the past doesn't mean that we can't redefine. Anything done to us can be undone. And you know, if, if you go back in, uh, in history, um, many uh, different populations uh, have gone through a similar process. Um, I'm not a religious person, but I'm half Catholic and half Jewish. So I've been discriminated against for just those um, issues, all three, being Catholic, being Jewish, and being half and half. Um, and then you look at the history of Jews as slaves and how they moved out of that. And, and many populations have gone through this kind of cycle. I think that the cycle in America was particularly brutal for people of color. And um, I think there are a lot of people, literally thousands and thousands that have been out on the streets for the past weeks that are not just protesting and not just frustrated, but as you said, excited about the opportunity that this, this may present for us to actually, as people are saying, achieve some real change. How do you feel about the, ch the probabilities and the chances of that? And how do you view your role and that of your organization in the landscape of trying to make this one count? Well, I remain hopeful with the, with the larger landscape, I remain hopeful that we'll be able to do that. Understand that right now there is great momentum leading up into um, an upcoming election. Um, and we should, have, we should have been very excited, just as excited about that and just as concerned about that in the, first ele in the, in the previous election. But now that we're here, let's use this momentum to turn around and, 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 and at least have somebody in the office where the political will is there to make the radical changes that need to be made in order for us to achieve that the level of equity that we spoke about. Um, this is gonna be a lot, we gotta be in this for the long term uh, because this didn't happen overnight and it's not gonna be changed overnight. But what can't flounder in this is our persistence that this happens and we got to show and reflect that persistence in how we show up to the polls. We got to show that persistence in how we show up for each other. We got to show that persistence in the change that we can do in our own spaces. Um, which is getting me, you know, that, that brings me to the next part of the question she asked is like, how are we seeing that change? 
um, how are we doing? You know, it, it's interesting. Working in the framework in which we have worked in, we become a victim of that circumstance. You know, you, you and I both know that working on the inside of a nonprofit has its limitations. Junebug no. is a nonprofit. <laughs> Junebug is a nonprofit. And there are some limitations that are there. And I get really frustrated. I get very frustrated with um, the amount of um, blockades that are there with respect um, to that. So, you know, one question I'm sitting with is like, you know, perhaps that's not the framework that we need to be working in, in nonprofit. I don't know what the other framework is, but I think I can stretch myself to push a little bit more. Um, with respect to artist support, we can, I think we are imaginative enough to think beyond, okay, fair artist fees. Um, I think we can think beyond what that is. Artists are going to do their work. Perhaps the role of the nonprofit is to play the supporting role and not the lead. I think that we've played the lead role in this and that has aided to that inequity that we see. So we play the lead role, more resources go towards that, as opposed to the people who are the foundation, and the artists who are actually doing that work, who will continue to do that work. Um, maybe what we need to be doing is really looking at how we play a supporting role um, to those artists. Um, to that end, it's time for us to get a lot more um, vocal about what that means. Um, in order for people to turn around and to live a good quality of life, which I believe everybody has a right to do here. And I want to go beyond even the artists. Now, if we're sitting and talking about this with respect to artists, I'm thinking about anybody. I consider artists as a part of that working class, right? Because we've seen the work, we've seen the folks that are part of the service industry. We've seen the bottom fall out from underneath them. So if we're sitting and talking about this with respect to the artists, we need to talk about that with respect to everybody. I believe everybody has that right to have and lead a good quality of life, right? And I say that, Gene, uh, as a way of, there's a way in which sometimes we can frame our work as the artist's needs that will put us in a bubble and put us in a place that inadvertently puts a foot of oppression on another community, right? So what we're saying is to the degree that all artists, all citizens deserve the same thing, right? Um, and I, I wanna make sure that I make that clear on the inside of that because, you know, inside of the work that we do, even in art communities, and I give you a great example, um, in some places that are considered art districts, that can make it easy for someone to say, well, I'm okay living next to this person if they're an artist. But if they do something else, maybe I'm not okay living next to them. Those are the outs that we inadvertently give people uh, to turn around and to use for not wanting to be um, or, or be in a particular community. So that being said, I wanna be more imaginative on the June Buck side. I wanna be more imaginative around um, what it means for Junebug to play a supporting role uh, for artists. Um, I feel like that is direct support to artists is only one piece of it. I think that we need to be looking at healthcare and how we provide that healthcare for artists. 
um, it is shameful to me that people come and dedicate their lives to their art and their work. And that at the end of the day, people deserve to live and die well. You know, they deserve that. And it's shameful for folks to get to the twilight of their time and or to pass away and to, for people to be struggling to help bury, you know, folks that have meant so much to community. That's shameful, you know, and no one should have to leave, at, in, I think, after doing noble work in that way. So we need to think about, reimagine that. We need to reimagine what it means for folks to have retirement. You know, we all know artists, um, and that's no different from, the, from John O'Neill, who was the founder of Junebug Productions. We all know people who turned around and have given their life towards those organizations that do not have adequate retirement accounts. That's not okay. We need to be looking after our elders as well. And we have not been good stewards of that work. We have not. And I think that I would not depend on the philanthropic, um, philanthropic world to do that. I think we're the ones with the imaginations and we need to be the ones that are making, um, that are really interrogating that and, and really holding them uh, responsible for helping um, and work and calling them in to the work so, that we need to interrogate right. those issues. So, so I um, have long thought that our model in this country of how we support the arts um, is inadequate and wrongheaded. Um, I think having to depend on philanthropies, um, having to depend on non nonprofits, uh, not getting the kind of public support we need and not getting the, the business investment that um, would make a difference in people being able to develop creative enterprises. Um, because much of, uh, of the work uh, of, of, of artists um, can be self-sustaining if they have the money to build the capacity to um, not only make but to to um, get their products be they performing visual design culinary literary whatever the category tech to the market and so um, I've argued also for example that one of the things that galls me has always been that an artist's work can just explode in value. And the only people who benefit from it are the auction houses and the, the dealers along the way and the, and the collectors along the way, and not the artists. In other words, I believe in artist royalties. That's one thing that would make a big difference. And um, I, I just think that there, as you say, if we would put our imagination and our creativity to work in how we structure the relationship of, of our creations with the um, society and the marketplace, uh, there's a better way to do things than the way we're doing them on nonprofits begging for money from philanthropies all the time, uh, which have their own, they have their own um, missions, which don't necessarily match up with artists' missions. I'll never forget one of my early efforts was to make sure that Cox money didn't just go to nonprofits, but to actual independent video producers in the very beginning. And I fought for that. I just happened to be on the board for 
I, I still don't understand how I got on that board, but I was on it. And um, I raised hell. I said, you know, there's no production money in town. This was the 80s. There was no production money. So um, I advocated for that. And I think that that's, it's more getting uh, money that helps artists develop their sustainable careers, I think. That's one of the reasons why I'm involved a lot with economic development. But Stephanie, I also heard in the beginning of your remarks that you focused on the importance of people getting out and getting to the polls. So I'm going to assume that you are focused on the election coming up and the importance of people voting. Is there anything that you want to share with me about any kind of joint efforts that are going on in the arts community that I should know more about um, in terms of, you know, we run a little something in our newsletter all the time with the days to the election and, and, and try to encourage people to vote. But we really need to do a lot because every vote's going to count because they're going to try to steal the election on the other side. There is no doubt about that. So um, we have two jobs, one to prevent the thefts and then as a talk about law and order. Let's, let's put law and order where we need it at the polls. And, and secondly, to make sure that people really do care and get out, even if they are not totally convinced of the alternative, maybe they need to know that that's going to be better than what's, what's happening right now. So wh wh where, where, where's your efforts in that direction? What, 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 uh, where are your commitments uh, when it comes to getting out the vote? Well, part of that is we have limitations on the things that we can turn around and do with this COVID no. crisis as a nonprofit. We have limitations that we can do in terms of face-to-face -face things, but we have had a really strong presence with helping people to understand where uh, voting locations are, to understand the importance of getting out um, uh, to vote. I think within our own personal networks, we're also sending those things out there's been um, some wonderful things. And, and, and as we see other people that are amplifying things on social media, we are leading people to those places as well. There was a fantastic virtual experience that was just held by uh, the, uh, the group, the Roots Crew, it was the Roots Picnic in, um, in conjunction with Michelle Obama, which she has created a nonpartisan um, voter registration um, uh, things saying when we all vote. Um, so they partnered up and did a wonderful concert that was online and with PSAs. And I suspect that there'll be more things like that where we will hopefully be able to do things that are where we're able to share that information um, with people so that they understand the importance. Um, people are doing beautiful artistic works. I mean, John has always said and long held belief, and I believe it as well, that art and politics are not separate, that those things are intertwined. Um, and this is a moment that, that the artistic work is really lifting up and providing a blueprint for um, the things that need to be addressed. You know, the stories are actually being said, the stories are actually being shared. It's a matter of whether or not people are listening. And I know right now, um, uh, I just had a great conversation this morning where um, I was talking to another leader in the arts and I went, you know, we have to use our form as the thing that helps. That's the our form that we have inside of the artistic work is one of the strongest forms there is of storytelling and of, of getting to people's heart center, people understanding from a heart level 
what that means and what that means to them. And so we're going to be doing a lot more of that heart-centered work. We're going to be doing a lot more that helps people see themselves and how to navigate this very challenging world that we're in in this moment. And uh, we know that we can change hearts and minds. We know that if done effectively, the right kind of work, using this form effectively, we know has the ability to bring people together and to also shift hearts and minds. And that's often the beginning space to movements. Um, that's a great uh, closing point. We're just, we're out of time. I want you to come back. I'm, I'm gonna check in with you. Uh, let's check in regularly between now and election day. And um, you'll uh, update me. Uh, I didn't get to one of the subjects I really wanted to talk with you about, but I spent some time talking with um, Randy Cohen from Americans for the Arts on the national scene, but that's something I, I do want to follow up with you on later. But um, I look forward to your works from the heart level. Uh, I know that that's going to happen, and I, I be sure and let me know, and we'll, of course, promote it through our program and our newsletter. Um, Stephanie, you're one of the um, heroines of the city, and uh, I thank you for what you do, and um, I'm so proud of our community right now, the way we're working together and talking with each other more than ever in, in my life, and um, I, I really think there's going to be results from it. So. Thank you. Listen, you have um, a great fourth. Um, I'm not going to talk about barbecue, whatever you do, but I do recommend one thing, and that is read the declaration. Because there's some yeah. bad implications in it, but there are also some inspiring words that if we yes. would stick with those inspiring words, maybe we'd get someplace too. Thank you so much, and you take care. Thank you. This has been Cross Town Conversations. This is Jean Nathan on WBOK, what people are talking about. Last night, people protesting in Minneapolis escalated as demonstrators were lashed by tear gas and rubber bullets. The main message here, the main message the here, main message here is that they want to see those officers involved. They want to see those officers arrested. Officers arrested. Arrest, arrest, arrest. I can't Trade my 4x4 for GC3, ain't no more freeless D. I gave him chance, a chance, a chance again. I even told him, please. I find it crazy the police to shoot you and know that you dead, but still tell you to freeze. Fucked up, I seen what I seen. I guess that mean hold him down if he say he can't breathe. It's too many mothers just grieving. They killing us for no reason. Been going on for too long to get it even. Throw us in cages like dogs and hyenas. I went to court and they sent me to prison. My mama was crushed when they said I can't leave. First I was drunk, then I sobered up quick when I heard all that time that they gave it to Ali. He got a license plus. We just some products of our environment. How the fuck they gon' blame us? You can't fight fire with fire, I know, but at least we can turn off the flames on. Every color person ain't dumb, and all whites not racist. I be judging by the mind and heart. I ain't really in the face. Fuck up the way that we living is not getting better. You gotta know how to survive. Crazy, I had to tell all of my loved ones to carry a gun when they going outside. Stay in the mirror whenever you drive. Overprotective, go crazy for mine. You gotta pay attention to the sign. Seem like the blind following the blind. Thinking about everything that's going on. I boost security up in my home. I'm with my kind of they right or they wrong. I call him now, he'll pick up the phone. And it's five in the morning, he waking up on it. Tell him wherever I'm at, then they coming. I see blue lights, I get scared to start running. That shit be crazy, they post to protect us. Swords and handcuffs and arrest us. Why they go home at night, that shit messed up. Knowing we needed help, they neglect us. One of them who gon' make them respect us. I can see in your eye that you fed up. Fuck around, got my shot, I won't let up. They know that we a problem together. They know that we can storm anywhere. That's bigger than black and white. It's a problem with the whole way of life. It can't change overnight. But we gotta start somewhere. Might as well go ahead and start here. We done had a hell of a year. I'ma make it count why I'm here. God is the only 
Fuck it, I'm going on the front line. He gon' bust your ass if you come past that gun line. You know when the storm go away, then the sunshine. You gotta put your head in the game when it's crunch time. I want all my sons to grow up to be monsters. I want all my daughters to show out in public. Seem like we losing our country, but we gotta stand up for something. So this what it comes to. Every video I see on my country. I got power now, I gotta say something. Corrupt the police, been the problem where I'm from. But I'd be lying if I said it was all of them. I ain't do this for the trend, I don't follow them. Altercations with the law had a lot of them. People speaking for the people, I'm proud of them. Stick together, we can get it up out of them. I can't lie like I don't rap about killing and dope, but I'm telling my youngest to vote. I did what I did, cause I didn't have no choice and no hope. I was forced to just jump in and go. This bullshit is all that we know, but it's time for a change. Got time to be serious, no time for no gang. Ain't taking no more, let us go for them chains. God bless they soul, every one of them names. It's bigger than black and white. It's a problem with the whole way of life. Can't change overnight. But we gotta start somewhere. Might as well go ahead and start here. We didn't have a hell of a year. I'ma make it count why I'm here. God is the only man I fear. They training officers to kill us, then shooting protesters with these rubber bullets. They regular people, I know that they feel us. These scars too deep, they heal us. What happened to COVID? Nobody remember, it ain't making sense. I'm just here to vent. It happened to one of your people, it's different. We get it, the system is wicked, just learn how to pick it. Knowledge is power, I swear I'm a witness. I know that I'm gifted, I won't go too deep, cause I'm scared they'll get me. Ain't scared to admit it, some shit I can't mention. It's people who can, well, here's the chance. I won't take the stand, but I'll take a stand for what I believe. Must not be breathing the air that I breathe. You know that the way that I bleed, you can be. I never been a fan of police, but my neighborhood. No, I try to keep peace, so it's only right that I get in the streets March for a reason, I just on GP How people die for us to be free, fuck do you mean? This was a dream, now we got the power that we need to have They don't want us with it, and that's why they mad yeah. It's bigger than black and white It's a problem with the whole way of life Can't change overnight But we gotta start somewhere, might as well go ahead Start here, we didn't have a hell of a year I'ma make it count why I'm here God is the only man I fear It's bigger than black and white it's a problem with the whole way of life, it can't change overnight But we gotta start somewhere, might as well go ahead and start here We didn't had a hell of a year, I'ma make it count why I'm here God is the only man I fear